In today's Dreamer Succeed podcast, we're talking to Beth Sullivan Jowitz about what it takes to tap into your personal power. Beth shares success stories, her personal ones, as well as those of her clients as she walks us through the processes necessary to reset your mindset, to help you succeed and break away from those limiting beliefs that are always holding you back. As an experienced and gifted NLP coach and practitioner, Beth is bringing change and hope with her heart-centered approach to transformation. So get ready, you're in for a real treat. Okay, so welcome to Dreamer Succeed podcast. We have a wonderful episode today with Beth Sullivan Jowitz, and I'm so happy to have her here. Hi, Beth. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So for those of you who do not know Beth, Beth is a keynote speaker. Beth is a coach and an NLP practitioner, among a million other things, which we're going to hear about today. But I'm extremely excited because Beth is someone who brings so much heart and so much passion to what she does. And she's all heart. She's all heart and and just loves service and, and loves to be in service of others. So you all are in for a real treat. So, Beth, let's get started. By the way, that color looks so beautiful on you. Oh, thank you. For those of you who are seeing the video and have the benefit, there you go. Um, so, Beth, tell me a little bit, because I've heard so much over the years about NLP, and I know that it's a it's an amazing technique, and there you get great tools for being able to build rapport and things like that, but I don't really know, know what NLP is. Can you tell me just a little bit about that as we get started? Absolutely. Well, first, let me tell you that I became so interested in NLP about five years ago when I went to see Tony Robbins. He was on stage and doing these different techniques that shifted people right before my eyes and things that he shared shifted how I felt inside. And then he spoke of anchoring, which was one of the things that I carried out of there that I worked on myself. And I always wanted to do the training for NLP. It's neuro-linguistic programming. And the neuro or the neurology or the nervous system is really our mind and how we process all of our experiences through our five senses, which would be kinesthetic, visual, auditory, olfactory, and gustatory. And the linguistics or the language is both the verbal and nonverbal communication and how we process that in and code it in order, order it, and then decide what it means. So that's where we're really applying our perception. So it's very individualized and actually may not be reality or at all, but really our reality through our perception. And then the programming is the shift and taking that information through our communication with others, and most importantly our communication with ourselves mm. to create a program that gets us our specific desired outcomes in life. Very powerful. I love it. I love it. And what I what I know about NLP, and I attended a workshop. Uh, I was blessed that Beth did a workshop yesterday at her new office. She has her office in, in Davie. And, and in just a short little introductory workshop, and she has one coming up in January. We'll talk a little bit about about that later, but I walked out with some crazy tools that there it's immediate. You, it's not something you have to wait for. I mean, that's something you can, especially with the anchoring that you covered and the rapport, it's, it's right there. 
I mean, tell me a little bit about that almost immediacy of, of the ease with so many other of the modalities, you know, take their time and you have to go session after session. But with NLP, it seems like it's boom. It's right here. We're going to start making a shift right now. Well, it's definitely a different approach and it utilizes the conscious and unconscious mind in, in working with the techniques and the different modalities. People can go to therapy and therapy can be extremely helpful, but often it's, it's looking in the past and recycling through different things that happen, usually things that are very painful for people. In NLP, our focus is really moving towards what we want. What are we going to do to create that compelling future? What are we going to do to look at this fear, this anxiety, this negative emotion, this phobia, this limiting belief, and get on the other side and get there quickly, looking about, looking forward to where we're going, not really stuck in the past. I mean, it just, it's mind-blowing. And how I really, one thing that really got me into NLP or, or made it so important for me is I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for 18 years I went back to school to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner and to help people with substance abuse issues, passionate to the core of my heart. And as many people know, there's an addiction crisis. There's been so many people that, have, that were dying. And I'm working in the field with amazing medical people, amazing therapists, people really doing everything they possibly can, including myself staying late at night thinking if I make one more phone call, if I talk to someone one more time, what can what can I what kind of difference can I make? And I needed more, and something that can do provide immediate results. So where where did your passion come from? Where you needed more tools, you felt like you would benefit from more tools for your pa for your patients, and your clients. Well, having my eye on neuro linguistic programming, I decided to do that training. And when I did that, I also was certified in timeline therapy, and it is very similar and part of NLP, and it's a little bit part of hypnosis, which I'm also certified in, and that's an extraordinary tool to really work with people to eliminate negative emotions, to work with anxiety and anxiety of future events, to work with phobias. I mean, there's so many different areas that you can use to have someone go up on a timeline and go back, and essentially how that works is if someone has a fear when they're very young, and perhaps even this fear comes from being in the womb, past life, intergenerational, every time there's a fear after that, it just compounds like a string of pearls. The next fear comes, the next fear comes, the next fear comes. So this person, say 30 years old, maybe they're a substance abuser, maybe they're not, but there's this big fear that they have. Maybe it's in business. I do business coaching and there's this limiting belief and they just can't get over that hurdle no matter what they try to do. And that fear is that whole string. So like a long caterpillar of fear. They're like carrying this everywhere they go. So of course it's daunting and it's difficult to deal with. So to be able to pull the string out per se and just wow. deal with what's in front of them and then there's techniques and modalities to go through the limiting belief you know, for me, myself, I mean, one of the things that I was sure of is that I would be a terrible public speaker, that I'm, I would speak in the recovery arena because that's where I was comfortable and there was the urgency and I could get out of my head and into my heart because I could directly connect with people. But outside of there, forget about it. That was my limiting belief and, you know, it no longer exists. And now, just so you guys know, she's a keynote speaker speaking everywhere in front of all sorts of audiences. So, um... 
we're glad that you faced that fear and overcame it <laughs> and dealt with it. So Beth, tell me a little bit about, because I had never heard of timeline therapy, but I know that, that, that you got certified in all these things because they're all, again, tools in your toolbox to be able to help your clients reach different heights at a much faster rate than, than any traditional route. What is What have you seen now that you have this experience behind you as far as the results and the effects of timeline therapy versus something more traditional? The results are absolutely, absolutely amazing. I mean, I spend a lot of time with people. I hear a little bit about what's going on in NLP and myself as a practitioner. I don't get really stuck in what happened and the problem because we're really moving towards. And with that, I'll describe the, we work with the unconscious mind and the unconscious mind is like the most motivated, brilliant (laughs) six-year-old child. And it wants to do and find and get anything the conscious mind asks for. It doesn't process negatives. So when people are... I've had this horrible childhood or I had this terrible event. I don't want to feel the pain of this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to be in debt. All it hears is I want pain, I want debt, and it heads people in that direction. So I want to really move people towards, as I mentioned before, going forward towards what they want. So the timeline therapy doesn't take long. It can certainly be done in one session. And people walk out. People feel all kinds of different emotions. They feel lighter. Some people are very tearful. They they feel calm. They're able to let go. People have told me they're able to breathe. They get a new perspective. Often up on the timeline, they definitely have a different view of what, what, what happened. And part of it is for them to really look at what kind of learnings they can get from this particular event. Whether it was something that they first thought, oh, something happened when I was 12 years old, and then they're up on the timeline and they see that it was something different. But what learnings did they get? And being able to let go and move forward into the into the future to now by letting go of all those episodes of fear. That's amazing. Or, That's amazing. or sadness, guilt, all those negative emotions. Wow. I love it. And I, and I think I can see what you're saying because what, what you're doing is instead of refocusing and rehashing what sometimes can take forever... It's, it's that dedication to move forward. You're only going back there to find what needs to be. Is it that you replace it with a different, with a different perspective or maybe it was a lie that they were, how does that, how does that, um, and I'm not going to ask you how you reset that, but could it be that, like you said, you know, I was living this lie that I wasn't a good public speaker and then you, you do something to, either face the fear and take charge and prove to yourself that it's that it was really only in your head. Is that sort of what you do with timeline or is just you go, you find what it was and, and reset their way of looking at it? On timeline therapy, you definitely could do the speaker and the limiting belief. And then you're going to go back to when did this limiting belief start? Okay. So everything we know in life is such an incredible lesson. Mm-hmm. So, so you're able to look at what, what did you learn from this first event that gave you the limiting belief and then just move forward because it was reinforced multiple times right. with all this negative impact and to be able to let that go and start fresh. And then there's other techniques that are available. Yeah. I mean, there's a powerful goal setting 
there's if someone is going to speak in public and they they have a trigger and they have this negative reaction or they don't talk or they say something that you know doesn't really come out right or whatever the case may be there's other techniques i mean there's swish patterns and so many other techniques to address oh, it and then with the negative emotions, you know, when did this come? And then for people to really look at the learning so they'll have that available to them later if they need it. Good, good. It's something you point out to them to just, when they go in there, just to be aware of what is happening? Well, it's in the process. Oh, it's, in- it's a specific okay. process at a okay. certain point during the therapy mm-hmm. where I ask them to, to look for any learnings that they have and their perspective because... Often what I find in working with people, people see things through, whether it was at a certain age, maybe a very young age, they're connected to it as maybe a Mm two-year-old and and, and, and maybe with hurt or sadness or fear. But as an adult, there's always a different perspective. The, The problem with many people is they operate with very limited perspectives or maybe even only one perspective. And that's limited choices. Wow. So we're we're caging ourselves in with limited choices. So if someone's able to go back now as an adult, and that's often when you'll hear people say, well, I realize somebody did the best they could, or it really wasn't about me. And if they're able to kind of gather that now as an adult, instead of being an adult that still has the viewpoint from the eyes of the, the child, wow. it's a completely different experience. And then it's really to get to that point inside, internally, in the spirit of, Everything is a lesson. It's all part of the process. You know, what do I gain from, from knowing this? And how do I change how I represent it to myself and to other people in my life? And people wow. move forward. And, and, I, and I believe that, that so much of that, of, of maybe just an in, in, in something that happened, something that someone said, you know, something that was important, to, go, to be able to go back there. Because I have a cousin. She's the only PhD in the family right now. And she grew up thinking that she was stupid. She didn't even go to college right after because she never really got good grades. So she just had this, this, you know, cassette playing all the time, just validating, listen, you know, it's not, not that she didn't have dreams and didn't think she was going to get anywhere. She just didn't think academically she was intelligent. And one day she started working as a physical therapist and then she decided to you know, get into acupuncture, and before you know it, she she got her doctorate, and and I'm thinking, you know, you, how did you reprogram whatever was going on in your mind? She said, I just did it, and I proved that I could do it. You know, she went back to school after she had kids. She was a single mom, and then put herself through school and did all of that. But I, but I, I think that how much more magical if she would have had someone who could have offered a modality that could have just taken her right there and just snipped that out. Sort of that, that, that false belief that was there, which is, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's almost like you have a way of, on top of that, the passion that I see coming through in what you're doing and how much belief you have in the results that you're getting for your clients. So I'm curious, just going back to this scenario with my cousin, what about kids that have learning disabilities or were told they have learning disabilities? Is there a way to to reset something like that? I mean, there are definitely learning strategies that's also part of neurolinguistic programming that's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. 
And first, I just want to go back to what you were just sharing Mm -hmm. and to say, you know, people can always change their perspective. The person I did training with, and she's absolutely incredible, within our our training in our group, she said something that really stuck with me, and I I use it quite frequently. When people tell me, like in a flat-out sentence, what their limiting belief is, like, I can't do this. I mean, I use her words directly, which are, when did you make that decision? (gasps) Wow. And then people stop, like, (laughs) oh, I, I did make this decision. And then they look at me and then I, I again, you know, quote her and can you make a different decision? And that process for some people changes everything. And I mean, I mean, so it's so much in the language Mm -hmm. and there is, I mean, neuro-linguistic programming works in, you know, personal empowerment in the business world, you know, would be with negotiating and of course rapport that we talked about. And then with learning and education, and we'll, I'll go right back to that. And then in therapeutic processes, like we we're talking about the negative emotions and phobias and things along that line. With the education, I've done a little bit of work, and mainly with the spelling strategies, people process through different representational systems in, in their mind or in their brain when they're learning and this is a, uh, some people will be listening to this and not be able to see the video, so I'm going to try to do it without using my hands because I like to. Mm-hmm. But to say, I'll just give the example of someone who's having difficulty spelling. So they study their spelling words and then they get into the classroom, they say the spelling words, and they're blank. They're having great difficulty and they're trying to piece it together and they, they're having difficulty. So having difficulty in spelling often will result in having difficulty in reading. So what happens, and I've worked with a a, a few different kids with this or children with this, is that they're processing in the wrong area when they're going to recall. Mm -hmm. There's an area which people go that's visual construct, and sometimes people use phonics, and phonics 50, maybe 60% effective, but that's definitely not going to secure a strong grade or a strong learning process. Mm -hmm. But people go to the visual construct in their brain where they hear the word and they're starting from scratch. So now they're just trying to put it together again. There's a part of the brain, and it's actually in the upper left visual field. And if when I test people, I, you'll, I'll be able to test them and see where they go with their eyes to know where they're going with spelling words. They That's where it lies, where it's it's a visual recall. They can see it. It's waiting right there for them but they process and go somewhere else to get the answer and it's not going to work. With that, another piece of that is there's usually always a kinesthetic that's attached and that's a feeling, but more often than not, it's a negative feeling about spelling because they have so much difficulty. So you would see if I were to test someone out and I ask them about spelling a word, they're going to the visual construct by watching their, their eye movements and then most often going down to this feeling of feeling bad about it. Or if I ask, what do you think about spelling? And then they're like looking down to the right and with that look on their face that, you know, it, it's hard, it's, it, it's difficult, they're not happy about it, whatever the case may be. So there are strategies that really are very simple and easy to teach parents I can test someone out in my office and then do the strategies and then have parents observe and take notes and teach them. And it's really about learning the words and the visual recall or center of the brain and then being able, and it's remarkable results. I mean, I've had someone where they had so much difficulty in 
in there, what I would do is break up the syllables in different colors, and I'd be like, you know, read the red, or read the blue, read the red, read the blue, read the red, a couple of times, and they're spelling the word, spell the blue, spell the red, spell the word, spell it backwards with word after word. And then with that, I can anchor a positive feeling in the kinesthetic. So it's also Mm -hmm. shifting the anchor of that, not having that negativity about spelling or connected to spelling, but something different. And there's also learning states, so many things that are helpful for children. I mean, many children, I believe, are mislabeled. Right. And and, and this, I mean, in one session, someone recently that I worked with completely changed his ability to spell, his success rate, which was the first word that I had him learn, by the way, but his success rate, which changes everything. Right, right. That's amazing. You just reset even the way he sees himself because it may have been based on a perspective that was false or a comment or or just it was just a different way of him learning that's super interesting so you're doing work with with children in that arena and yes okay yeah, great. definitely great good good so teachers i have so many teachers that i know that struggle with this with their students and and either the parents don't feel they 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 have anywhere to go or it just sounds like what you're really doing is empowering the parent to be able to to continue to to nurture the kid in that learning phase and keep going, you know, never know where it's going to go from there. Right. It's and it's really to evaluate their strategies and you know the strategy they're using and if it's ineffective. Mm-hmm. And then just to put another piece into that strategy will shift everything. I love it. And then to do the anchor will shift how, to the, how they feel about themselves. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Beth, so... To, who is Beth? Because now we know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a difficult question. I mean, I'm, I, there are so many pieces to me, mm-hmm. and I guess I'll start with, what I, you know, I have a vision for the world, and my vision for the world is a world that is conscious loving, connected, abundant, where everybody gets that they matter. And, and that's what I stand for. And then there's the different areas or different arenas, arenas of my life. I'm extremely passionate about addiction prevention, about helping people that are in active addiction, substance abuse. I've been working as a psychiatric nurse practitioner for over 12 years. I've been working in the addiction field for 17 years and recently left to have my own private practice to focus more on the, the neurolinguistic programming, the timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. I'm an animal lover. I'm huge <laughs> <laughs> on animal rescue. Yeah. I'm involved with, with volunteering for a dog rescue. I have a beautiful family. I have so many friends. You know, I'm passionate about shifting this world. You know, I look around and I see a lot of sad people. I see a, a lot of angry people. I see a lot of things happening. And I believe that even if it's one person at a time, we can shift that person. I can sh- shift that person. That person can shift me. But together, as long as we're working to help each other, you know, re- it's really about, you know, learning and being a contribution to society. Yeah. And Beth, you just said something because you know I'm I'm big on the on the badass spectrum, right? And and I know that you're at the top of your field as as a nurse practitioner, 
very well respected in the industry. Um, everybody in who's anybody knows you. And then you decided to jump off and open your own practice. Tell me a little bit about um, the balls it takes to do that. <laughs> it was something that I didn't, you know, I was thinking about. At some point, I'm going to, first, at some point, I'm going to do all the training for neuro. One day, let's mm -hmm, put it that way, right. one day, <laughs> over the rainbow, right. way far away, I'm going to, I'm going to, take the time and do all the training I want to do with neuro-linguistic programming and then not even knowing that I'd be able to do the training with timeline therapy and hypnotherapy. And I'm going to take everything I've learned so far and add these additional tools, these learnings, and be able to change and shift people's lives. And then one day I realized more recently it was time. You know, a lot of people supported. There have a lot. I have a tremendous tribe of people in my corner mm -hmm. that support me. And I jumped off and I did the training. And and it was time to open my own practice to really be out there, to really look around and see. You know, what do I get to do today to make a difference? Because anytime I make a difference in someone's life, it's impacting me tenfold. Right. You right. know, it's. I mean, like. All the joy I have and, and everything that I have that is internal and the states I'm able to set using neurolinguistic programming and just those external things really surround the people I connect with and what I'm able to do for others. I love it. And would you say that that, that heart and that center to really just be in service is what makes you unique? I would say that's one thing that makes me unique, but I will say that because I, I have a tremendously incredible tribe of people around me, that that's the character of the people that I have in my life. So I don't, I think it's, I'm not unique within that tribe, but I think in my practice, that makes me unique, but also makes me unique is that I really have all these different modalities. Like I'm looking further ahead to, you know, do, what else do I want to learn? What else is available? What else can help? I want somebody to come see me with this specific issue or come to me for coaching where we'll have a lot of time to work on many things and really get to those powerful goals and be able to make change. I, I want someone to come into my office and when they leave, things are not the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, okay, that, thanks for telling me that story. You know, I'm not minimizing somebody's, something somebody's been through, but also it, it, attached to it is all the way we viewed it multiple times over over the many years, thank you for telling me that. Let's catch up and talk about it again next week. It's, you know, let's just look, okay, so that there's something that happened. Where do you want to go? You know, what's holding you back? When you, when, holding you back, when you leave today, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a change and also some processes I want you to work on. And I think that's it. That's it. Without, without you thinking, you answered the question. I think that's it, Beth, because I, I believe in accountability And I believe that accountability comes from love. And I think the fact that you're not only telling them, but you're holding them to it because you want to see them succeed. You know, I know coaches that, that love coaches and love their clients. And I tell them, they all, oh, they've been my clients for 15 years. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? And, and you know, I coach a lot of coaches and, and coaches don't like when I say, but I, listen, I don't want to have to coach you forever. If we work together for a year and, and we haven't gotten where we need to go, I'm doing something wrong. 
Now, if you get where you wanted to go and you want to go to the next level and you, you want to keep coaching, that's one thing. But we can't keep working on the same thing for 15 years. So, so I think a lot of that comes from our commitment to make what we do sustainable. And I think that's where your uniqueness lies. It's not like, okay, you, you left my office and here are the tools. Good luck. Um, and I'll see you in two weeks. It's sort of like holding them to that fire of saying, listen, we're, we're going to work here, but there's an expectation from me on your movement forward. So I love that. I love that because I know that that's really where people get get their results. So thank you for for sharing that. So tell me a little bit about um, Pet Rescue. You said you were volunteering um, for Pet Rescue. I know you're, you're, you're a big puppy person. Um, yeah, I've had rescue dogs and uh, I have some rescue cats. I've had those for a few, probably about, I had a cat. I started rescuing cats seven, eight years ago, but I've had rescue dogs. Like, it feels like my whole entire <laughs> life, but certainly since I've been out of college. Mm-hmm. And it actually is one of my biggest dreams to open my own dog rescue. I love it. And that's something I definitely have my sights on. Good, good. When is that going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to ask. <laughs> but but, but I, know, I know how passionate you okay, are about okay. that. So. Well, let's give it a date, because this is what let's it's all it. about. Yeah. March 1st, 2021 at 3 p.m. I'm so glad this is being recorded. I love that. <laughs> but you know, Beth, I'll, I'll tell you from, from working with you, I know that you are very committed to the specificity of your goals. And that's one of the most important things when we're goal setting. And, you, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what you mentioned about that powerful goal setting, especially as we get into... The tail end of the year, people are looking forward to 2020, looking forward to a new decade, not just a new year. But I know how specific you are with your goals. And I don't know a lot of people that dare to be that bold, to be that specific, but you're really spot on with your stuff. So I know that you, you're you going to work on it until because you and you put it out there. You have no no problem putting it out there. And, and you want people to hold you accountable. I think that's where anybody who considers themselves having a strong tribe, that's where the strong, that's, that's what I feel it means when you say you have a strong tribe. People that will hold you accountable and will call you out when you're, you know, slacking and when you're not doing what, what you should be doing. So because you're so good at it, tell me a little bit about what NLP and your coaching uh, does for someone who's maybe now in that, you know, that precipice of a new year saying, you know what, I didn't get anything accomplished that I wanted to this year. It's time to look into coaching. Tell me, tell me what you do for them. Well, there's so many things. So it would depend on all the details of exactly what they were bringing and presenting with and what they saw as their limiting beliefs or their struggles or where they were really stuck. But just as you explained it right there, I mean, right in NLP, there's something that I have, a tool that I have for procrastination. Mm. And also there's some hypnotherapy for focus and for people to be empowered to move forward. They're setting anchors to be energized, to be extremely productive. Mm. So there's all those, those qualities. And I would really look at, you know, what do people want? I mean, what are those goals? 
A, what is your purpose? What is your vision? And then what are your goals? And, and how we're going to get there. One thing I love about the goals in NLP, too, is that everything is as if now. And that is amazing to me. Because as I talked before about having um, the belief system or the story in my head about public speaking, mm-hmm. uh, a while back I was speaking at this fairly big event and I had a lot of anxiety about it. And I started using the different NLPs, my own NLP tools and with my anchors and everything else and that, that I had in my toolbox. But one of the things that was most helpful is I, I went to the date that it was going to happen and it ended at 9 p.m. So I said at 9.15 p.m. on this particular date, what I'm experiencing is people, I've, I've already spoken, people are coming up, they're, they're saying, thank you so much, what you helped, what you gave, the information you gave me was so valuable, this was so helpful, thank you for being here, all this positive feedback. So every time I wanted to get into that story of like, oh, I'm going to stumble over my words, this is going to be a disaster, I would be like, wait a minute, it's 9.15 and this is what's happening. And wouldn't you know, when I finished speaking and I was in, in the moment and right there and it was very powerful, a very powerful experience for me, at 9.15 people were coming up to me and saying, this was so helpful, I related, thank you so much. Because I wouldn't allow, because I'm working with my unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And the picture I wanted my unconscious mind to carry because that's where I'm going, because it's taking me there as that brilliant, motivated six-year-old child that it, that it is, is this this part where the speaking has gone well because I've provided value. I've been helpful. I was authentic that I, I, I could articulate my message, which is, was so important to me. And, you know, it, it, that's something else to be as if now. And sometimes I'm not so great about that. I'm very much, my personality type is analyzer. Mm. So not only is it the things that can go wrong, I'm like, pull it apart. I don't know, this, that, and the other. And then I can get in a funk. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I love it. You know, what skills do I have? Yeah. I mean, I can't transmute and give to other people what I'm not practicing myself. So it's, it's important that I have that quick stopgap to say, okay, what do I get to think about? What anchor do I get to hit? What do I get to put in place to move forward in a positive way, to be powerful and to get the results that I want? I love it. And do you feel, and it's interesting because I, I, I read a lot about visualization. I'm a firm believer in, in visualization and vision boards. And um, I remember reading this, this story about uh, I forgot her name. She became Miss America. So, you know, she's, they're interviewing her after she won the crown. And, and somebody says, weren't you nervous when you were doing your, you know, they walk down the, whatever it's called in the stage and they're waving or whatever that is. And, um, and she said, I'd done it so many times in my head since I was a little girl that it was as if it was not new to me. And and I always remember that story because on my vision boards, you know, my big thing was Africa and I always wanted to do mission trips and go to Africa. And I remember the first time I went to Kenya, we're traveling from where we were staying near Nairobi into the bush where the Maasai people were. Um, it probably would have taken us 30 minutes on a regular road. It took us two hours on a, you know, bumpy, bumpy road. And, and I just see, you know, the very, very, the symbol of the Maasai and, and of Kenya 
is the acacia trees. And it was just part of a million photos that I had on my vision board. And and as I'm, we're going down this road, it's acacia tree after acacia tree after acacia tree. And I thought to myself, you know, I really should be more excited that I'm just traveling and seeing tree after tree, which had been, and I realized that I had seen it as a reality, as if now. Now, I love that you said that because I never thought of that phrase for so long that it was just, it was not new to me. It was a thrill and I, and it was a blessing for me to actually be there, but I had already experienced it. And I kept going back to that story of Miss America and what she was saying, that it was just, it was just normal. So you, it seems to me that you manifested the result after your speaking engagement and what the people were going to receive from it, which I love that for you, it's a twist because it's coming from a place of service that you did have the impact you wanted to have and the people were were responding accordingly. So Beth, is that something that you help people in your coaching, especially, I know you do a lot of business coaching, in your business coaching for them to be able to really um, put that tool into, into practice as part of their, you know, manifesting their success? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be one of the tools. And there's all, I mean, there's so much to be said, and I'm so glad you brought up visualization Mm -hmm. because people often, things happen and they have a picture of what happens next. And often these triggers trigger pictures that are not positive. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be an unresourceful state. People will, you know, feel down or they feel like they're stuck or they just give up or they walk away or they procrastinate. And in visualization, there's something in NLP called the swish pattern where people will have this, which I call the current state, and they have the, like the same trigger. Something happens, then they, they go to this like almost black and white dim situation where it's a negative response or unresourceful space. Or somebody I worked with recently, when, when someone puts a certain amount of work on her desk, all of a sudden in her office she becomes completely claustrophobic and she looks towards the door, but it's blocked in her visual field and she can't get out. And this happens again and again and again. And that picture is so clear. But she was able to create a picture, like can you get a picture of what you would like to do instead or what you would like to see instead? And if people can get a picture, because in, here in the unconscious mind, Something happens and that's the picture that it's the, the, the rote of that's the picture and that's what's going to occur. And she was able to get this picture. So I was able to work with her to change this picture to make it more vivid and more colorful and larger and just how she wanted it to be and able to switch it out. I mean, it's a whole process that really takes about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But to switch it out between the two, the current state and the desired state, until the desired state is really the only thing they can see. She could see, uh, this happened with multiple people, but that she could see. And I would ask her, you know, what about the current state when I pulled it up and she couldn't see it? So now she's planted this and already she had called, this was recently, this is actually end of last week. She called me and said that the same thing happened at work, same exact trigger, one more thing on her desk. She looked up and she could see clearly to the door and the room was wide, which is exactly what she wanted in that (laughs) desired state because that was waiting there for her as opposed to the picture that happened every single time with the trigger. 
So that's so helpful in business, mm-hmm. whether it's if it's in a business arena, somebody, maybe a supervisor or a situation at a board meeting or something comes up where people have a, a, the same response or a similar response to a trigger or a hurdle they can't get over. And then there's everything in business about negotiating and, and working with customers, everything that's win-win and building rapport. I love rapport. Yeah. You know, in the workshop that right. I did last night, we were talked a lot about rapport. I'm really the communication and being connected with people and to really be on that same line where their unconscious mind says, they're just like me mm-hmm. or they see me or they, they hear me and to be able to hold people and be a stand for people in that realm to be connected because we're always enrolling people in things. And in business, of course, people have their different products and they want to enroll people to try their different products. And it's never meant to be a manipulation, but across our life, I mean, I know I'm enrolling my son in things that I think are in his best interest or to be motivated for college and, and, and I want to enroll people, my clients that are going to, you know, so many of them are dying from drug overdoses. I want to enroll them in a better way of life, a better decision-making process and, and th- enroll them in seeing what's possible right. so they don't have to be a statistic. So I'm always enrolling people. And it takes that rapport to be connected in a way where people are more comfortable. Yeah. I, I can totally see it, Beth. And I know that you have that that heart for just serving people anyway, but I know that you do coaching with with family members of people that are either in addiction or in recovery. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Just because I know you have such extensive knowledge in seeing both sides and knowing what works, what doesn't work from the medical side and from the spiritual side. Can you tell me a little bit about what that kind of coaching looks like? Of course. I, I mean, I've worked with many family members of substance abusers, and it's always it's, it's a difficult situation. I mean, there's so much fear. There's so much things that are happening. People, you know, in this day and age, many people have multiple overdoses. There's some complications of the overdoses, and there's the things the family, besides not being able to sleep at night mm-hmm. and worrying and actually losing any ability to have their own life, you know, they, it, it just, it, it's, it's overwhelming and it takes, takes over every part. People mortgage their homes to try to get people help. Wow. But to work with family members, and I always tell people, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't really know, I can't say exactly what's going to happen, but I always tell people, and this is so important, so many more people die from enabling that ever die from tough love. And it's really difficult sometimes for people to do the tough love. To They always see it as turning their back. In so many cases, and including my own recovery, mm-hmm. I didn't hit my bottom, and so many addicts and alcoholics don't hit their bottom until their family hits their bottom first. Wow. Because when people continue to enable, it tells the disease, well, it's really not that bad. They're still here. They're still helping me. They're saying there's no way I can come home or they're not going to help me. And they said that before and they do it again. Wow. And, and you know, and people can really hear it. And it's every case is different, but it's really about coaching people to, one, have the context for recovery in their home, but also what do they want to work on their own goals, 
to do some of their own healing and to be able to set those appropriate boundaries, to be able to look at what they want out of their life and to be able to have that effective, powerful, loving, but not enabling communication with their children and not to just get lost in the abyss themselves. I've never heard that before. We always talk about what the, what the, the, the physiology of what the family can do. Okay, and, and how do you support and how do you show up to a family meeting? But that really shifting, and, and we've, we've dealt with, with family members who have been in that situation. Um, several of them are no longer here because of the enabling. And, and it's not anybody's fault, but I'm, I'm just saying that I, I can see it as you're saying it, how, how much it would have helped to have had that tool and that perspective, because you really do completely lose yourself. But I've never heard anyone talk about really empowering the family to focus on themselves as a way of helping the addict or the one in recovery coming out of, I, I love that, I love that. And it's all coming from, from love for yourself. And how do, you, how do you love anybody else if we don't love ourselves? And that's another whole other. Don't even that's get a whole other podcast. A whole other. Don't even. <laughs> don't even get me started. But but I love that. I love that, Beth. And I just know that you do everything with so uh, uh, on top of the the genius that you are um, from an academia standpoint in your career and what you what you are and how dedicated you are to honing your craft. I think there's there's this element, which if I was going to ask you again, what makes you unique? It's just that you're bringing so much heart into the equation. And I think that's where the power is for your clients. So, so, and I know that you've been through the recovery process yourself. I know that you're able to see it from both sides. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received? I've received so many different pieces of advice. And it actually, one of the things that, there's a couple of things, if you don't mind. One thing that always stuck with me when I first heard it, and it wasn't really advice, but it was a perspective. It was at a time when maybe I was people pleasing, but I, I you know, I was in recovery and still working on, I guess, my own self worth to know that I am worthy and my own self esteem. And someone shared that if you don't like me, that's unfortunate, but if I don't like me, that's unbearable. Oh. And that really resonated with oh, me. Because I, I mean, I would be maybe worried what other people thought about me and not really looking about, you know, how do I treat Beth? You know, I'm not a value to other people. I am so passionate about my vision. You know, every day when I look around, like, where, what do I get to do today? Who do I get to help? I mean, there's just so much going on in the world. And there's, there's this urgency about it mm-hmm. that if I'm not coming with the energy that that I have something positive to say about myself or coming from an energy of like, I have something to give, then I'm not serving a purpose. Wow. So that that, that definitely That's was very one. powerful. Very powerful. Yes. Holy moly. You have others? You said you had others? <laughs> But that's that's really very powerful, Beth. I think that's um, it's something that that, and and a lot of times we take for granted what we're doing. And I know that that um, that as you progress in your in your new world, if we want to call it that, 
um, just because there's so much service and there's so much speaking. And, you know, I've always sort of um, uh, loved you into speaking even more because I know the impact that you're going to have with people out there. I know that you do a lot of work with women and, and empowering women especially uh, because we as women are not good at loving ourselves. And, and you know, as a, as a business coach, I know that you see it. The, the, and this is just a fact. I'm not making this up. You know, the men in business are very different than a lot of the women in business. And, and they could be just as qualified as each other. But, but I think for a lot of, for a lot of us women, um, for whatever reason, and I think generationally it will shift. Mm -hmm. At least that's my prayer. But, but we, we get to do it now. You know, just because, you know, we're in our, whatever we are, in our 50s, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to just do it the way we've always been doing it. And I think the self-love is a big thing. And, and that, that validation, that, that brilliant piece of advice they gave you is sort of like we can't, we can't give what we don't have. And, you know, we've heard it a million times, we can't pour from an empty cup. Yet we keep trying to keep running with that engine light on and saying, you know, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And then we just don't get to it. So, so I love that you are bringing that message and, and helping women just by being the example and, and shining your light to really let them know, listen, we get to reinvent ourselves and we get to stand up for ourselves and we get to walk in our value. And whatever that looks like, we get to do it, but we have to know what it looks like. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a big one. So tell me a little bit about uh, your son oh. and <laughs> this amazing trip you have coming up. <laughs> you tell me a little bit about your son because you mentioned college and trying to empower him into, into um, these college years, which, which can be so. Um, beautiful but challenging for both sides, for the parent and the child. Yeah, they can be. I mean, I am beyond proud of him. And yeah. he's unbelievable. And, you know, I got into recovery two days before he turned one years old. And I had this belief that I would be a terrible mother. He should, would be better off without me. And I was able to shift all that and, and raise him and raise him not only, you know, in, with, with the different values and the different, you know, with the different spiritual principles I had in my life, but also in a tribe of people and many of those people in recovery to raise him around people. And what I love about the recovery community is there's very few places you can go in this world where people are actually trying every day to be better people. And that's, that's what's happening there. And he was raised in that. My only beef probably would be that people gave him way too much candy. <laughs> but he, all he knew was love. And I, I, you know, both of my parents were substance users. And there's some limitations in the parenting that I knew. You know, my, my dad, very loving. And my mom really had a few more issues going on. So I learned a lot about parenting also in, in the realm of recovery. So he grew up and was so different than any any kid that I knew. I mean, he was someone like I would be on the phones with my friend and would be like, oh, that's too bad. And he'd be like, oh, what's going on? You know, worried. And he'd be somebody that would give his friends, way before it was kind of cold to do so, to give his friends a hug. 
I could be at school. I'm not going to see you till Monday and give people a hug. Or the kid that in middle school people would call because they had something going on, like they had a death in the family or their parents maybe were getting divorced. He was able to take on that energy, which really wasn't me. It was all the people in recovery who had given that to me and allowed me to infuse that in him. So I'm so proud of the man he is and the the company he keeps. I mean, he surrounds himself with people that are you know, pro-helping other people, they're pro-environment, they're very involved in, in whatever things that they're into, that they're passionate about, but they're all things that are shifting the universe. I mean, they're definitely people that have a voice, use their voice, and they take care of each other, they come from kindness, they, they're honorable people. Mm-hmm. And so for all that, I'm very proud. So he and I, For many years, every winter we would take a trip to New York City in the winter. And it was for when he was in high school, it was always President's Day weekend because he had a three-day weekend. Mm -hmm. But last year with him in college, we were able to go before the holidays. And so we're doing it again, (laughs) and we're leaving uh, tomorrow morning. I love it. Good. That's going to be a great time. And, Beth, I think think what I love most about when you have that dedication to be that parent... um, either that you always wanted or that you you just want to, you know, be the best parent that you can be. Our, our kids challenge us to more. And because of that, they, they come along for the ride. And I think the way that you describe him, and I know the relationship you have with him, and I just think he's gorgeous inside and out. But, but I think that that's, that that's really a testament to that was deliberate on your part. That doesn't happen by accident. And... And I think if, you know, if now on this side of parenthood, because he's he's a man, like you said, and he's he's in college, um, what would you tell a new parent now, if you could just tell them something, on 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 what to look forward to, or what to look out for, what to, what what would you say? What would you wish you had heard as a new parent? One thing I learned, and I think I did hear this, or I just was able to observe this, is, you know, forget the pacifiers that fall on the floor that in the very beginning you'll wash 20 times, but then one day you'll say, isn't there a five-second rule? (laughs) (laughs) Forget all that. It was that, that, that energy of, like, my job is to be his cheerleader. For the ups and the downs, and no matter what happens, my job is to be his cheerleader. And sometimes I could do it and just cheer, and sometimes I'd be like, hold on, I got something to say. Maybe it would. (laughs) But coming from that energy and to know, you know, this is all about his growth and his process and his, like, the lessons he'll learn in this life. So for his own growth and his soul growth, you know, what he's doing on on, on earth is everything he learns and passes on to other people, but to cheer him on. That's beautiful. I love that. And imagine if all the parents were out there. And I pray that those that are listening will will heed your advice because I, I think, can you imagine what the world would look like if that's what we were focusing on? Just cheering our kids on, man, and just believing in their dreams and, and breathing life into their dreams and just knowing that they know you've you've got their back, you know, not from from a from a place of love. So that's that's really beautiful. And Beth, I know that you are a reader. What are you reading now? You know, I'm a big book person, so... Uh, the bio- Actually, rereading The Biology of Belief by mm. Bruce Lipton. Nice, nice. I just reread that one 
that was on my uh, September reading list. But that one never gets old. And there's always something new to learn. Always something new to learn. Yeah. And it really connects me with hypnotherapy because mm-hmm. when you go through the book, I mean, there's different ways to undo what we've done with perception to right. shift. Mm-hmm you know, the, the DNA in our body. I mean, it's incredible to look at that and then how we do this stress and fight or flight. Like back in the caveman days, there's like the saber-toothed tiger that's coming. So of course, everything constricts and people get in fight or flight. But people, and myself included, doing this day in and day out with just general stressors and how that just changes everything because it's how I perceive. And that's what, it, that actually it all connects to NLP, but also... To really kind of heal that, uh, there's a lot to be done with hypnotherapy. I love it. I love it. And I love that you're open to um, everything that's coming at you. And I think, I, I think the, the best of us probably comes from when we're willing to challenge. You mentioned something earlier how you know that how can you expect your clients to do it if you're not even doing it? You know, when you talked a little bit about, hey, wait a second, I can change this and I can alter the mood here because I can do it like that. Do you feel that coaching and being an NLP practitioner, you've had to up your game because now um, the phrase something to prove is is not what it is, but that, that you can't take your clients where you haven't been before. And, I, and as an adventure coach, that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I can't expect anybody to get out of their comfort zone if I'm over here hiding and hiding in mine and I just don't operate like that because you and I both, I think, just come from a place of authenticity. Do you feel that now um, in the realm of coaching, you've had to challenge yourself a little bit more than before? Yeah. I mean, I I, I would say, I keep saying though, I feel like I'm saying that. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so important to me to be able to hold that space for somebody that that that's the context that I'm living in, and I've upped my game, and, and it's changed my life. I love it. And and to say when I get stuck or I get into a certain thinking, if I'm in a scarcity conversation, how did I get here again, and what's the way out? You know, not just what would I tell someone else to do, but to, so it's a working it's a working knowledge for me, so I could just blink and almost get a different picture, and just move in that direction. But definitely, it, it's it's had me up the game and change everything. I love it. And so that's what working with people has been so helpful for me too because in holding that space and and seeing the change that other people make, to see people getting the results that they want, you know, I'm empowered to to be there for that to happen for people, for people to see that shift in their life. I mean, I've shifted my life multiple times when I've gone, you know, into recovery, I've gone back to grad school to be a nurse practitioner. You know, I, I, I changed, I let go of the full-time job where I was working in, as a psychiatric nurse practitioner and changed there. And, and I want people to be able to change and do whatever they want mm-hmm. to, to chase that dream and follow it. So I have to be tra- blazing that trail. Right, right. And leading, leading by example. And I know that sometimes there's, there's, a, there's, um, there's an element of fear with everything that's new and everything that we do. What would you say is the greatest fear you've ever overcome? I would say there are two. One would be the, you know, I was so heavy in my addiction and it wasn't really about getting high. It was really about not feeling. Mm. 
So the, the fear that I couldn't survive feeling all my emotions. That was the first one. Because it was really about being numb and not feeling. And I thought, well, I can't. One, I probably don't deserve to live. And the statistics say only so many people live. I hate those statistics. And I can't feel these feelings. And the other one was public speaking. That's a, that's a big one. You know, that's at, that's at the top of the list for the United States. Yeah, and, I think. And I think that, that so many people have an important message. And, and you know me, I'm a big believer that the fear is here. And um, that that's just how it is. And it'll only exist there until we dare to take a stage and do something about it. So, and, I, and, I, and it's funny because I hear you speak and it's almost impossible to imagine that that fear was ever there. And I know that you do a lot of anchoring and you do a lot of, you know, you practice what you preach as far as getting in the right space when you're coming in before a group. But it, it's just hard to believe. But thank you for, for overcoming that fear because, you know, the world needs to hear what you're about. So I, I, for one, am grateful that you dared to, to go there. And, um, and I, just, I just love when I see you in action. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I know how well-received it is, and, and I know it's, it's, it's going to be even way much more astronomical than it is right now. Beth, is there anything that you think that people don't really know about you yet? I think we covered many things. I mean, one thing that many people don't know, unless I tell them if they're outside that arena, is about the recovery mm -hmm. and that I was a hardcore IV drug, drug user mm -hmm. for many years. I don't think there's anything else. You're an open book. Pretty Just much. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, I mean, it doesn't serve, like, I can't be... You know, stop the stigma. I can't be someone that that's a stand for people not being in complete judgment. Even though people, whether it's yourself, your family member, your neighbor, your coworker, everybody has is exposed to, to substance use and, and addiction. But yet, many people are in such judgment of it, mm -hmm. and I can't really be a stand for for that shifting if I don't tell everybody. Mm -hmm. I because love it. the hope is in that everything can change, and it certainly can. I love it. So, Beth, I know you have a workshop coming up, which, by the way, and I, and I love, I know yesterday was a full moon, and that's why you had your, your workshop at your office, which I love your office. People, it's a beautiful office if you can get there. Um, full Moon Transformation is your website, fullmoontransformation.com. For anybody who hasn't looked yet, you're in for a real treat, uh, because what Beth didn't tell us is that she is a, a side photographer. She does it as a hobby. But I have never seen such amazing pictures of a full moon, <laughs> like the ones you've been able to take. I take pictures all the time, and I just get a blurry white ball. And not that I play around with the settings or wouldn't know what to do with them, but you just take fabulous pictures, and they, they're all over her office. So that's an additional uh, treat to get to see there. But I know that you have a, a workshop coming up uh, beginning of January, January 11th, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that you're doing it at the beginning of the year. Uh, it's such a big year. 2020 is so clarity, vision focused. And it hadn't even occurred to me. And I was in my goal setting mode like I do on Thanksgiving weekend. And you and I had a conversation. You said, yeah, it's the beginning of a new decade. And I'm mm -hmm. like, holy crap, 
it's the beginning of a new decade. And that's that really is, I think for a lot of people, a, a giant, giant push. So I want to know two things. I want you to tell me a little bit about your workshop, uh, but I also want to know what's 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 on your list. What are the big things on your list of goals for 2020? Okay. The workshop I'm doing with my husband, mm-hmm. who does, he's an incredible public speaker and coach who is, a, a, he's is an author and he's a stand for addiction prevention and really shifting things. You know, there's one thing to shift things once the problem's there, but really to work on it before and to really empower, you know, young, younger, mid-age children to teenagers. So things are a bit different. You know, mm-hmm. people process things through their brain. This is kind of a dip back to NLP. And they make, they become in uh, unresourceful states. And that just, you know, that just exasperates issues. And addiction can be one. So I'm doing it with him. It's going through applying spiritual principles, which really shift everything. Like as a daily practice in so many areas of life, it, it, it has a major impact in, in how we interact with each other, how we treat ourselves, how we open up our eyes and get out of bed in the morning and how we're looking at the day. And it, it's just an amazing practice. And with that, I'll be going over some stuff with neuro-linguistic programming. I'll be doing some anchor, anchoring techniques, which is great, a way to learn to change your state like that. Mm-hmm. That That's quickly. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And you know I'll be there. But I, I just encourage people to look it up. And, and I know you'll have information on your website as well mm-hmm. about the event. So remember, fullmoontransformation.com. So tell me about, just before we we um, sign off, uh, the big ones for 2020. Goals. Well, I'm, one of my goals is definitely to continue to expand my business. Because the more people I can help and be on the journey with, I mean, that is so important for me to, to shift things. I want to start doing some of the, the workings of looking at that animal rescue. And I also want to develop with my husband a nonprofit organization. I love it. And he's going to be doing a tremendous amount of things with addiction pre- prevention and doing a lot of speaking. I'd like to be doing some speaking with him and then doing more public speaking this it. year than I did last year. Nice. And just to be, you know, obviously I'll be doing some things that are for profit, but also to be available to go different places and just to give back. You know, that is one of the things that that really got me more comfortable with public speaking because I would be tortured at how important my vision is to me. Yet I would be that self-centered not to share my message because I was afraid that I would mess up or afraid of how I looked, you know, and... and that I needed, you know, to get over that hump because my vision is so much more important than any story that I tell myself in my head. I love it. I love it. And that's a great way to end this podcast because I think that's that's good advice for all of us. You know, focus on the mission. And I think it's something you you find very easy just because you've been in a place of service probably most of your life. Um, but for all of us, those of us who are letting the ego get in the way, you know, just focus on the mission. What is your why? And mm-hmm. what is the bigger picture? What is what is it that we really need to be foca- focusing on? Because it's, it's not about us. So, Beth, if you could give yourself a piece of, your 18-year-old self, a piece of advice, what would it be? You know that leader you keep looking for? It's you. 
because I was always looking, I was up to big things, but I was always looking for someone to follow that who would be the leader. And little did I know that it was me, that I could be the leader and I could, I could produce results and produce things that could benefit other people and to stop looking for someone else to follow and to get out there and do it. I love it. You know what? That sounds like a great title for a book. Hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Beth. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dreamers Succeed podcast. If you like our show and want to know more, check out dreamersucceed.com slash podcast. And please leave us a review. It helps out a lot unless you think it sucked. Just kidding. We know you loved it. We have a new show every week, so we hope to see you next time.